Welcome to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Allen. I'm joined by Motley Fool Senior Analyst Seth Jason, James Early, and Shannon Zimmer. Guys, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Chris. Friday. On today's show, we've got Comcast making a big play in the battle for your living room. We've got the Fed Chief trying to get a job extension. And we've got Tiger Woods trying to get out of the rough. But guys, let's start with the big macro. Big news is the unemployment rate in November fell unexpectedly to 10%, down from 10.2%. President Obama called it the best jobs report since 2007. Shannon, that seems like kind of a low bar to clear. <laughs> exactly right, which is why he, he cleared it. That is, <laughs> it is the best jobs report since 2007. <laughs> and you look at it you know, a little uh, more closely, and it really does seem to be legitimately good news. Unlike, for instance, the little blip down that we got back in July, which was quickly reversed, and, and the unemployment rate began to, to tick back up again because it was some statistical anomaly. This seems to be really good news. Uh, on a net basis, only, uh, only 11,000 jobs were lost uh, last month as compared with the, the hundreds of thousands of jobs that we've shed since 2007. Uh, and if that is sustainable, and I have some questions about whether or not it is, that's excellent news. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You're not buying I, it? I, if it, I, I agree with Shannon that if it were if it were sustainable and if it were real, it would be good news. But ADP, which has a, a broader measure and is statistically considered a, a superior measure of what's going on, has the opposite information. This 11,000 number, I don't know if you should really believe that because these numbers are routinely uh, changed the next the following month by up to 60,000, 70,000 jobs. And the other thing is that, that the unemployment number, I mean, just think about it on the face of it. You, you lose jobs anyway, but the unemployment number somehow get, gets less. This is based on a survey, and that's the whole point. The ADP survey is considered better because it's wider. It goes to better places instead of just calling up households and asking, hey, is everyone working? I think Seth is absolutely right. And, yeah, I don't buy it either. I don't buy the moon landing either. But um, <laughs> yeah, the ADP report is, is more robust. I think the, the, the real story for me is what does the Fed do now? The Fed has been testing the reverse repo market, which is a way of taking liquidity out of the bank system. This is just as of today. So the Fed could be plotting uh, some sort of a, of a pullback, and, and obviously it has to at some point. But to me, that'll be the bigger news that could come out of this. No, no, look, guys, I'm trying to look at the, the part of the glass that is half full for once. All right? <laughs> so so can, if you could help great. me out here, I would appreciate it. Look, 11,000 jobs. Shannon's got cake on a plate <laughs> I'm on there. a sugar high. Riding the tiger. Uh, it, like I said, if it is sustainable, it's excellent news. To me, what we haven't mentioned yet, but perhaps we should, is this maybe uh, the temporary effect of a, uh, the sugar rush that's caused by the stimulus. About a third of the money has been spent. Some of the projects have already been completed, and in those industries, uh, the uh, road construction in particular, uh, some of that is, is drying up. Maybe it's just a cash for clunker style blip. I certainly uh, hope that's not the case, and I certainly hope it's not the case that people uh, have a head fake experience around this and then back down for more aggressive action, because still, the economy is uh, in shambles. Can I have one final word so that it makes me seem smart? Sure. <laughs> Excellent. Here's here's what I also pulled out of there, and it's something that I don't think is great news either way, is that uh, the only place where there you actually saw job growth, according to what I remember, was temp work, not so great, and healthcare. I'm not sure that's the, the one place we want to see growth. So in terms of investors looking at these numbers, is is this good? Is this just like stick tight to whatever you're doing at the moment? It's better than not good. I mean, these <laughs> days, you know, less bad is the new good. I don't think it means a ton even with, with things like retail spending, for instance. Unlike previous recessions, I think now these people, once they start working again, are going to be saving more rather than going right back to consumer spending. 
Uh-oh. Hello. Uh, that let's just keep that in. That's just to show you that our usual <laughs> yeah. hardworking uh, producer Steve yeah. Broido is on his honeymoon, and like the Uber, <laughs> the Uber boss Matt Greer's over there screwing up the soundboard. <laughs> it's uh, or just emailing. Uh, to, to your question, Chris, uh, it, it's worth remembering that employment is a lagging indicator. And for investors, you know, look, you've got this market that's up 60% since March. Uh, employment situation recovery was priced into that then. It's priced into that now. All right. We talked about the Fed. So let's stick with that. Fed Chief Ben Bernanke was on the Hill this week for confirmation hearings, and he did get roughed up a little bit. Senators on both sides of the aisle placed a hold on his nomination for another term as Fed Chief until the Senate holds an up or down vote on legislation that would open up the Fed to congressional audit. Seth, is that fair? Is that reasonable? I'm glad I stuttered through some partially substantive sounding uh, (laughs) responses because I'm going to go the other way on this one. This is political theater, to to quote what what Shannon's probably going to say. Ha! Preempted, <laughs> preempted, Shannon. But I find it to be really funny because I, I've not been the greatest fan of everything that Mr. Bernanke has done. But this Senator uh, Jim Bunning comes out, and this is the headline of the day. Senator from Kentucky. Yeah, and this is the actual, this is a prepared remark. Your Fed has become the creature from Jekyll Island. And I just have to point out, this this mixes several metaphors and gets the wrong piece of each one. Is he did, the, did, did he mean the creature from the Black Lagoon? I have no idea. If he meant Dr. Jekyll, he's got that wrong because Mr. Hyde's the bad guy. And in so fact, unsophisticated. This Moreau. is a mashup, Seth. Get with the program. <laughs> I think that this, I've, I've been to Jekyll Island. It's a luxury resort it, exactly. off the Georgia coast. This right? is like my pounding my fist and saying, you have turned <laughs> the Fed into a naked back rub from Heidi Klum. What are you doing? Yeah, this is the actually, creature from the day spa. This is uh, where the folks who were in the creative writing program at my uh, graduate school used to go for their Bacchanalia, so I think I, I may have some in, uh, insight into what a creature from Jekyll Island might be and up it, to. And it's not bad. But to get to something a little more serious. <laughs> I was going to say, literary criticism aside. Aside. <laughs> this is is typical political theater. You, you can't go without a Fed. I think you, you don't have modern banking without a Federal Reserve. And certainly at a time like this, probably the, we owe the Fed a little bit of thanks for some of what happened. And what's going on now is you have a lot of people who who typically, this happens in deep recessions, they start to worry about all the spending, about all the stimulus, about all the quote unquote printing money. And and there's a lot of kind of stepping back into the good old days and saying we shouldn't do this, inflation is going to be terrible. You have to let this stuff roll through. And and you got to watch out for the groundswell. You don't want to pull away from the stimulus too soon. And you certainly can't follow the kind of flat earth, get rid of the Fed advice. Sure. And there, there are a lot of people who, who see inflation, inflationary policies as actually stealing from the people because the mo- purchasing power of your money does go away. On um, that said, I'm a little surprised that Ben Bernanke still wants the job, given all the heat yeah. he's been, been taking. But you have to step back and say, what really is the Fed's job? Obviously, the Treasury prints money. The Fed regulates the, the supply of the money. But does the Fed regulate, let's say, asset prices? And if so, how much? That's a very, very difficult question to answer. And obviously, we all blame Greenspan, let's say, for, for creating this big bubble. But, but you know, at what point do you draw the line in a bubble? How do you know in, in, until it's passed? It, it's a lot of tough calls. I, th- I think we do need some sort of an overall systemic regulator to prevent regulatory arbitrage. In other words, instant entities like banks changing their structure to fall under one rubric or another. Um, is it best done at the Fed or not? I don't know, but I don't, I don't see anything wrong with congressional audits, actually. 
Yeah, and, and nor do I. And it's not political theater. It's political reality that Bernanke is going to be uh, uh, reappointed to, the, to this post. Uh, but on the merits, I don't think he should. You know, what is the Fed's mandate? The Fed's mandate is to maintain price stability and to get us as close to full employment as possible. Well, you know, 10 percent uh, is better than 10.2 percent, but it's still atrocious. And so, if anything, Bernanke should be erring on the side of uh, the, the full employment side of his mandate, and, and he's not. I think there's a case to be made for a Fed that actually cultivates and encourages uh, inflation toward the end of hotter than usual growth and then uh, putting up with that uh, for longer than than they would. Just a couple of points. Uh, the, the ending of the Treasury repurchase program, I think in hindsight, was a, a bad idea. Now it's not the time to do it. And if, again, people start taking their eye off the ball and they go, oh, well, the market's up, unemployment's on its way down, and that sense of urgency around doing something about what is an economy in malaise dissipates, that's going to be bad news for everybody. Yeah. So if you're a senator, you're, you're voting against Bernanke's? I, 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 I would. I absolutely would. The, the only thing but is... But for a different reason than Mr. Bunning. You're saying didn't go far enough. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I, I think that he, uh, Bernanke, thinks that he is being cautious. But in this context, uh, erring on the side of caution is the riskiest thing you can do. And I just want to point out that this idea that we've got rampant inflation just around the corner is really based on a misunderstanding of what the, the quote-unquote printing money accomplishes. Right. You get inflation in asset prices and other things when you have a money supply and the velocity of that money is moving very quickly so that it chases prices. What happened at the beginning of this is the money supply you know, was, was stayed the same and then the Fed increased it, but the rate at which that money was being used fell so precipitously that we were really on the edge of deflation. In fact, we haven't seen much inflation. I was very worried about inflation for a while, but then I saw the facts and I changed my mind. Yeah, because the, the banks are hoarding capital. Yeah, and the velocity of money, Seth is exactly right, has gotten down to it's a horse and buggy speed. It's uh, really not a, a cause of, of, of inflation. Then, too, Bernanke was a part of the team that orchestrated the toothless response to the financial crisis. I think yeah. that for that alone, he deserves to be shown the door. All right, so Shannon's voting no. James, Shannon's what? Senator like he's from James. Sweden today. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sven uh, Zimmerman here. Um, Senator Early, how are you voting? Senator Early would actually support Bernanke. I just I don't know who else would do a better job at this point. You know, I, I think he's learned a lot. Senator I Jason? Uh, you know, I've I've thrown enough softballs or, or baseballs at Bernanke. I can give him the vote, but I, I want to stick to poke him with still. All right. I'm not sure it'll help him keep his job, but Jay Leno might be getting a new boss. Comcast announced plans this week to acquire a majority stake in GE's NBC Universal Entertainment for the princely sum of $30 billion. The deal still has to get the green light from regulators. Set the main economic engines for NBC are its cable channels, USA, Bravo, Sci-Fi, MSNBC, and of course our good friends at CNBC. Is this a good deal? Yeah, but, uh, well, uh, do they have to buy a piece of Shineheart wigs? Is that, <laughs> do we have any 30 Rock fans out there? There's no, <laughs> nobody in the room. I don't know if it's a, a good deal. I don't even know if it's going to happen. It seems like the uh, regulatory in, uh, environment isn't really uh, conducive to this kind of a deal. And aside from the price, I'm going to punt it over to my colleagues, but I don't know that a deal like this makes a ton of sense. Are we going to be looking back at this a few years from now and wonder if this is the AO, AOL Time Warner situation? I can see certain synergies, but I just I, I don't see the overwhelming logic and the overwhelming necessity to, to do this. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say in full full disclosure, after 90210 went off the air, I basically stopped watching TV. I mean, I might catch an hour a month, but I mean, you know, my time is valuable. Um I frankly, I'll take it even more extreme. I, I, have, I see almost no synergy to this deal. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, Comcast is sort of maxed out like a utility. How many more people can it reach, right? So 
what else can it do to make money? Well, it can buy some content, maybe release some of the, the DVD movies a little bit earlier on the, on the pay-per-view, things like that. That's minor. I mean, the, the way they benefit would be if the ad market rebounds a lot, but I just don't see the synergy. But if they control the content and they control the pipeline, then yeah. they can adjust the prices. Yeah, except the trouble with that is that if, if they try to harvest what I think would be the possible synergies, they're gonna the hammer's gonna Correct. drop. In 1992, some law was passed basically saying you can't like hog your own stations. You have to to sort of share and share alike. You can't bogart the the pipes, the intertubes. Well, what, what does this mean for companies like Netflix? Uh, I mean, is this if you're a Netflix shareholder, is this the sort of thing that has you quaking in your boots? Or? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, to me, this is a very backward-looking strategy. I mean, the, the, the future is not with a broadcast television or, or you know, cable television. There's going to be, uh, there already is in my house, that's house too, I believe, is streaming media is the way that we mostly watch uh, uh, television now anyway. Uh, to the extent that this furthers Comcast's ability to do that, I guess it's a good thing on balance, but the competition is fierce. I don't really see how this is going to do much for their margins. Maybe it's good for the net neutrality fans, the idea that you, you don't let somebody take a preference Differential piece of the pipeline to move their own to move their own product through it simply because they happen to have paid for that pipeline like Comcast and others have. But perhaps if they if Comcast has this and they've got NBC and all this, maybe they actually have to balance the various types of properties a little more fairly. So maybe that maybe this is a good thing for the net neutrality people. I don't know that I'm on the net neutrality side, by the way, because I look at it from the point of view that you need to pay the people who have built the pipes, otherwise they quit building them. Media companies are, have never been known for being well managed, and I, I think, you know, I think we're seeing the same lack of brilliance here. You know what this is? Although I, we are a financial media company. You know what this <laughs> is? This is this is pretty much the creature from Jekyll's Island, is what's happening here. It, it, well, maybe we're missing the point. Maybe this is less a media story than it is a story about uh, GE sort of paring back its uh, positions in, in uh, uh, industries that are not a part of its core competency. I'm not. I'm not a GE scholar. Perhaps uh, well, my colleagues here are. That's the best side are. of the story, I think. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a GE shareholder, you're psyched about this. I would be. All right. Tiger Woods' very bad week with his wife has not yet cost him any endorsements. Those endorsements include Electronic Arts, Gillette, Gatorade, and Nike. Guys, buy, sell, or hold the future of the Tiger Woods brand. Uh, not only buy, but accumulate. His uh, brand was, really? yeah, his brand was getting quite bland, and this I think sort of spices it up a bit. He suddenly, uh, a you growth, think having uh, having multiple <laughs> mistresses spices it up? He's a growth story again, Chris, <laughs> and it reminds me of what of, of what Steve Martin said uh, to David Letterman after David Letterman's woes uh, became public knowledge. It showed that he was human, and to this point, a lot of us weren't so sure. <laughs> James, what well, do you think? I'm just glad he doesn't have any wireless endorsements after being caught <laughs> sending text messages like, I will wear you out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually by, by two. I mean, the Tiger Woods demographic is, is probably a, a middle-aged male golfing type person, uh, the, the, the demographic, I guess, that, that he advertises to, and, and a little bit younger. And frankly, you know, a lot of these people have affairs too, and, and this, this humanizes him. He was sort of this asexual being before who just went on the golf course and, and performed, but, you know, always he's a player. Yeah, he, he's so much more. Elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, so I buy Seth? I actually think I will wear you out is an excellent slogan for Nike to use, you know, for their shirts and things from now on. That the golf shirts with the Tiger brand. That <laughs> yeah, is it really could be awesome. a caption for his entire career. Yeah, I, I think you have to 
Oh, these are alleged. These are the alleged. producers <laughs> over there. <laughs> Newser.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, these are from these are from the gossip sites, everybody. So they could be completely false. Don't sue us, please, Tiger Woods. <laughs> Not that you'd get anything out of us anyway. But you're buying. I, yeah, I think you have to buy. I feel sort of sorry for the guy. I know when you know, really when I'm cheating on my wife with my seven mistresses, it's <laughs> it's because I've had a bad week and uh, I just need a little cuddle. All right, as we head into the next week. Give me one stock that is on your radar and why. Shannon, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm taking a close look right now at a tech company that I think is near and dear to Seth's heart. It's called Form Factor, and it manufactures probe cards. I don't think there's a connection there. To, I'm to sorry. Tiger, <laughs> Tiger Woods. Probe cards? No, the, 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 these are uh, uh, instrumental in uh, te- uh, testing semiconductors. And like I say, Seth can probably give us chapter and verse on the business side. For me, it's on my radar as a result of some of the screening that I do from one of the services that, that I run uh, here at The Fool. Uh, the Fool owns shares of the company. Our CAPS community loves it. And while it's not the most profitable company in the world yet, it does have a rock-solid balance sheet that's going to help it sort of ride out the, the inherent cyclicality of its industry. Yeah, it's very cyclical. It's uh, only up 37% over the last 12 months, and that sounds like a lot, but it's lagging its industry. So the valuation, to me, looks really compelling uh, for a company in a growth industry and with a, a solid financial I, I, I'm sorry, what are the backing. probes probe for? Uh, <laughs> it's an interface, James, I'll have you know. Legitimate uh, question. Between uh, the, the semiconductor wafer, is this, okay. is this correct? And then the, the testing equipment itself. This is how you test the validity of the circuitry. Gotcha. It, it sounds it, like you find re- out if the wafers are any good. Yeah. Gotcha. The ticker, by the way, is F O R M form. It sounds like a machine that you know c- gains intelligence and then it creates the creature from Jekyll Island. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm a little scared of this. James, one stock. Well, I was you. probing around in the healthcare <laughs> industry and found a company called Healthcare Services Group. The ticker is H C S G. No way. I almost wrecked them a couple of weeks ago. You know, but uh, to me, they're on my radar, but I felt it was a little bit pricey. But they have a nice yield above 3%. They, they do hospital services like laundry, housekeeping, and food services. Uh, fairly small market cap. I don't know it off the top of my head. But seems like a solid company, well-run. Everything that I like except for the price. Wow, so a stock that appeals to the dividend guy and the small cap guy. I just have to point out that both of these guys are just cribbing from Motley Fool <laughs> Hidden Gems. <laughs> Healthcare <laughs> Services Group was actually a watch list or a tiny gem uh, years ago uh, and is up uh, a lot more than the market. I think in the neighborhood, don't quote me, but I think it's about 130% or something over a time when the market has been flat or slightly down, but still looked a bit expensive to me the last time I checked a couple of weeks ago as well. I'm going to another hidden gem. Guess, I've talked about it on the show before. I own it. Looked pricey to me. Uh, I blew it again because they just had great <laughs> earnings, and then somebody came out and uh, upgraded them in the stock, and you know, up another fifteen or twenty percent or something the last couple of weeks. This is the jeans company. The jeans company, and the story I guess is that they actually have a global brand that resonates very well. They run the business very well. They have a lot of cash, high insider ownership. Uh, they earn a lot of cash, and Nobody pays attention because they think they know the company and because they've heard of it and it was uh, so big in the 80s that it must not be relevant now, but it is. And so the stock goes through these periods where nobody pays attention. It was 15 bucks a share or something not too long ago. Uh, so people who bought it this year could already be sitting on a triple almost by now. And uh, it's worth looking at even at today's prices. I'm certainly going to redo my homework even though I own shares uh, and and have for years. And the 80s are coming back into fashion now, right? Oh, these skateboarders, well, these the tight-fitting jeans. Well, the thing is the stuff doesn't even look 80s. They have really, they are one of the few companies founded in the U.S. that have a, a legitimate global brand that's not a really high-end luxury brand. Is it true that the CEO also has a mullet? 
No. <laughs> Paul Marciano, actually, very nice guy. I met him in Florence when I went there to uh, to visit some friends a while ago. Uh, really nice guy. But the, the bottom line is they just really know how to run their business. Yeah, I think if the CEO has a mullet, I think that's a strike against you on the scorecard. What's Italian for mullet? <laughs> I that? don't know. I only know Italian words like bathroom, beer, you know. All right, on next week's episode, <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> for the answer. Homework. All right, Seth Jason, James Early, Shannon Zimmerman, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Thank you Chris. Chris. Welcome. That's it for this edition of Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear, your homework, and make your own decisions. And remember, the conversation continues 24-7 at fool.com. I'm Chris Hill. We'll see you next time. Thank you.